So uh, I don't want to burst Frank's bubble, but that game, it's already out. I played it. Uh, it was at a hospital. It's called a stress test. Okay, so it's where they try to give me a heart attack. So uh, be a lot of lawsuits with that game, wouldn't there? I mean, uh, so a man from Indiana traveled to Key West, Florida, on business. His wife was going to fly down the next morning to join him for a few days of vacation. And when the man arrived, he discovered the hotel had a computer in the lobby. He sent down, sent an email to his wife. The only problem was. He got one letter wrong in the email address, and instead of going to his wife, the email went to a pastor's wife who had recently buried her dearly departed husband. When the widow read the email, her family heard her scream and faint because the email said, to my loving wife. The subject was, I've arrived. You're probably surprised to hear from me because I arrived earlier than you expected. I see that everything has been prepared for your arrival tomorrow. Looking forward to seeing you then. And then it says, P.S., it's sure hot down here. <laughs> so you have the wrong message, right? Going to the wrong person, and that can happen. But, but you know who that doesn't happen with? It, it doesn't happen like with God, right? So, so God uh, gives the, the right message. And God has a message for you today. And here's the thing, like he, he knows your address, okay? He knows you. He knows what you've went through. And he has a message for you if we are prepared to receive it. Let me introduce you to two people. I'm making these people up, okay? So the first guy, we'll name him Herman, all right? So Herman is a guy. He's went to Lincoln Hills for 20 years, right? He's a Christian, and he comes and as the preaching's going on, he'll sit and he'll listen and you'll see him. He'll have his Bible open. He'll be taking notes. You'll hear him say amen a lot. And he's really engaged in the service, all right? Second guy that I want to introduce you to, we'll name him Remus, okay? So Remus is a guy, Lincoln Hills, who's been going here 20 years, says he's a Christian. But what you see as he's sitting in the service is he is nodding but he's nodding off, okay? He's about to fall asleep. He doesn't have a Bible. He hasn't brought his Bible with him in a while. And uh, in fact, he's playing some things in his mind about like where he is going to eat and maybe some projects he's going to do at his home uh, tomorrow. So what is the difference in these two? Well, that's a great question, and I'm glad you asked. Uh, Jesus gives us the answer in one of his most famous parables. It's often called the parable of the sower, but it's really the parable about receiving the word of God. So it starts off in Mark 4.1. It says, The next time Jesus taught beside the lake in Galilee, a big crowd gathered. It was so large that he had to sit in a boat out on the lake while people stood on the shore. He used stories to teach them many things, and this is a part of what he taught. So we're getting ready to go into the parable. Uh, Jesus taught in parables. He was like one of the greatest storytellers ever. Like Jesus took biblical truth and compared it to something that they knew about in that day. And he was able to draw that out where people would understand it. So he goes into the parable of the sowers. And we're going to read here. The first thing I want you to notice about this is Satan snatches spiritual truths from hardened hearts. All right. So Mark 4, 3 and 4 says this. Now listen, a farmer went out 
to scatter seed in a field. While the farmer was scattering the seed, some of it fell along the road and was eaten by the birds. Okay, so that's Mark 4, 3, and 4. Now, if you go down to Mark verse 4, verse 15, you'll see that he's explaining to the disciples what this means. He says, the seed that fell along the road are the people who hear the message, but Satan soon comes and snatches it away. So, and how does that happen? So he's saying people hear the message, right? But then Satan comes and he snatches the message away from them. Like, and I think like the older we get, the more distracted we become, okay? And, uh, and the reason I believe that is because we have a, a child named Whitley that is almost a year old, and she is not distracted by hardly anything. And what I mean, like, so not long ago, uh, we were laying in bed, you know, and, and our daughter Whitley discovered that her dad, me, that I have a belly button, okay? And, and it's true, I have one just like you, and it's a, it's a uh, innie, it's not one of those weird outies, but like she's obsessed with it, and she likes to pull my shirt up and hit on my stomach, you know? And, and here's the thing, like if, if Courtney was to hand her to me right now, she would probably try like to find my belly button. I mean, she just isn't distracted. She doesn't forget. If we took her out in the fellowship hall and we put her on the ground, she will probably try to go to this same uh, uh, electric receptacle that she likes to try to play with every single time. Like she doesn't get distracted. She remembers. She doesn't forget. Kids are like that because they're not distracted by as much as we are, right? Like we worry about a whole lot of stuff. They know that their food is coming. They know that they're going to be taken care of. They trust in that. Like, but we are a little bit different. We worry a lot. If you don't believe me that we get distracted, let me ask you this by a show of hands. How many of you have walked into a room and then you have forgot why you went in that room in the first place? Like, okay. I do it all the time. Like we do it here at the church. I walk from my office to the IA room and I sit in there for 20 minutes and I think, I, I know I came in here for something. Like what, what is it? And then I, I don't remember and then I just walk back up to my office. Like, uh, you know, uh, how many of you, uh, when you're doing something, it takes you longer to find your tools than it does to complete the project? You know what I mean? I do that a lot too. We get distracting. Uh, according to Jesus, there is a... Uh, Invisible process happening right now. Satan and his demons are trying to actively steal the word from your heart and mind the way those birds stole the seed from the pathway. So we were in a demons and angels class, and I remember Dr. Gabbard telling us, saying, hey, uh, you know, Satan works in different ways. And he says he's even in this class, right? His demons are even in this class right now working. I thought, well, we're out of Bible college. He said, you don't believe me? He said, I can look over this crowd. I can tell that some of you are distracted. I can tell some of you are checking out. Some of you want to leave. Some of you are wanting to fall asleep. He said, Satan works in ways like that. So don't be surprised, like, if when you're reading God's word or you're hearing God's word, if, like, there's distractions that might go on. Like, so when we're in church, you might hear a crying baby. And although we love babies, right? Like we want babies here. You know, don't be surprised when you hear that or if somebody gets up and leaves or somebody's phone goes off and maybe it's like their ringtone is your favorite song. If your mind starts to go on a journey like to other places, we're getting distracted by, uh, by what's going on. The devil did not make those people do that. But if you lost your concentration on the word, Satan is smiling. If you allow your mind to wander, you know, it will take your concentration off the word. 
So the next thing is this. No depth to keep their attention on Jesus in the face of hardships. So we're going to read in Mark 4, 5, and 6. It says this. Other seeds fell on thin, rocky ground and quickly started growing because the soil wasn't very deep. But when the sun came up, the plants were scorched and dried up because they did not have enough roots. Okay? If you go down to Mark four sixteen and 17, Jesus explains this. The disciples, he says, the seeds that fell on rocky ground are the people who gladly hear the message and accept it right away. But they don't have any roots. They don't last very long. As long as life gets hard or the message gets them in trouble, they give up. So these are the Christians that are like happy people, like they're happy Christians. And when the happiness fades or the feeling, if their feelings are not, you know, they think what they should be, like, then they lose their faith. Uh, basically, like, when hardships come, like, they're not looking to Scripture or holding on to that, right, to, to get them through. So one of my, so there's one of my favorite speakers, like, he was talking about when he was younger and he was at camp. He went to church camp. He was in eighth grade, all right, and he had friends that went with him, and there was a kid that went there too, and he was the same age as them. I think they're all about 14 or 15 years old. Well, this kid had a handicap, and because of that, like, he was more the mind of like an eight-year-old, and he said that they made fun of him all the time. Him and his friends at church camp would make fun of this kid all the time. And uh, the kid never had very good time at church camp. They would even make him cry sometimes. And he said one day they were standing around for canteen. And he said, him and his friends, and he said this kid like busted into that circle. And he said he looked at him and he said his eyes were dancing. True story. And he said the kid was smiling. And he looked at him and he said, Jesus loves me. Now, they had been studying the Bible. They had been reading through his word. And at some point, this kid got it, that Jesus loves him. So he goes into that circle. He looks these guys in the eye. He screams, Jesus loves me. And the guy said, like, he started to think real fast of how him and his friends could make fun of this kid. And he said, but before they could, he busted out of the circle. And he said, like, through the camp, like, He could hear his voice screaming to people, Jesus loves me. Now, this is a kid that would take that word to heart. Even though these kids made fun of him, even though he might have been born different, like he knows Jesus loves him because the Bible says so. And I think there are times in life and as we get, we all have feelings, we all have emotions, and, and God gives those to us. Those aren't bad things, but we all grow up sometimes with baggage, right? And that affects sometimes how we read the Bible or how we see God. Like sometimes, uh, because of how I grew up with baggage, like I have a hard time, like just, I just have a hard time sometimes, I won't say believing, but sometimes that God loves me or wants anything to do with me, especially when I miss up. Like, I can hear Satan whispering in my ear, you see that? Like, God wants nothing to do with you. Because I have experienced that in life. And when I, 
I put that on God. But here's the thing, like, I can't do that. I know what the Bible says. Romans, so if I don't feel loved like, or maybe you don't feel loved by God, Romans 5, 8 says, but God shows his love for us in this, that while we were sinners, Christ died for us. Like, I can read this, I can go to the word, and I can say, I'm going to believe this because the word says it. I'm not going to let Satan distract me and make me think otherwise that God doesn't love me. He cares for me. I'm precious to him. I love him, and he loves me back. I can go to this. Maybe, like, I feel alone in the journey, you know, and I just feel like nobody cares. And I know by reading John 16, 33, it says, I have said these things to you, that in me you may have peace. In the world you will have tribulation, but take heart I have overcome the world. I can read that and say, hey, you know what? Jesus said that we're going to have problems, we're going to have issues, things are going to go wrong when we're in this world, but what else does it say? It says through him, like, we'll have peace and that he cares for us, right? We know that's true because it says it in the Bible. We know it. Like, so, in this, we want to be people that read the Bible and things might be going wrong in life, at work, at home, whatever it is, when we read the Bible, we can find answers to those things. And we know it's true because it says it. The next thing is this. The thorns represent worldly distractions that keep a seeker from believing or from developing into a believer. So Mark 4, 7 says, Some of those seeds fell where thorn bushes grew and choked out the plants. So they did not produce any grain. Right, so you go to Mark 4, 18 and 19, Jesus explains this. It says, the seeds that fell among the thorn bushes are also people who hear the message. But they start worrying about the needs of life. They are fooled by the desires to get rich and to have all kinds of other things. So the message gets choked out and they never produce anything. So notice that, what he mentions. He mentions worry, right? Do we worry? I mean, we, we do. I, think. I worry all the time, you know. We're fooled by the desire to get rich and, and other things in this world. It's anything that we can put in our life in place of God. You know, for some people, they might take their family, and that might become their God. Family and God is good, but that should never become our idol. Or, you know, maybe it's the husband and wife that look to each other to fulfill something that only God can. Uh, or... You know, it could be somebody, somebody that just works a lot and they want to be successful, so they work so much that they kind of don't have time for God. You know, you might receive it and hide it in your heart. You want to be spiritual harvest of truth, but then there are some other organizations, activities demanding your attention and alliance until God's word can't be fruitful. So the last thing is this. The seed on the good soil are those who produce spiritual fruit. In Mark 4.38, it says this. But a few seeds fall on good ground where the plants grew and produced 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much as was scattered. Then in Mark 4.20, Mark uh, Jesus explains to the disciples, says, the seeds that fell on the ground are the people who hear and welcome the message. And it says, they produce 30 or 60 or even 100 times as much as what was planted. Now, uh, I don't, like, the Slaytons, like, we don't plant things. I'm not a farmer. We know how to grow children. You know, we got five, but we're not... Uh, 
So, you know, how, how many here, you know, has ever seen, or how many of you think that pineapples grow on trees? Anybody? How many of you think they grow on the ground? How many don't know? So, yeah. If you've ever played Mario Brothers 3, you know that they grow on the ground because you pick them up and you throw them. But, like, that's one of those things. Like, a lot of, I, this is not something that I'm always familiar with, like planting and growing and, and things like that. But I, I do know this. Like, if you are a gardener, right, or if you are a farmer, and I do know some farmers, like, to be a successful farmer or gardener, like, when you plant stuff, right, it has to produce a good harvest. Is that right? Like, it, if you're planting things and they're just dying, that's not good. And as Christians, like, when we hear the word, right, and it, and it goes into our heart, and we hide it there, like, and, and we, we believe it, it produces fruit, and how, how do we know it's producing fruit? Because we plant those seeds from the gospel to other people. It's not just staying in here. We're hearers of the words, but we're also doers of the words. You know that people are hearing the word. They're taking it into their heart by watching them and how they love people. So uh, I have this joke with Michael Goins, and he was just singing, you know, up here, and he has that long beard, and we were in a small group together, and his wife was like, I forget what, she was telling a story, and she said sometimes he can get this crazy look, like, in his eye, and I was like, one day I said, Michael, can I see that look? And it looked crazy, I mean. So then he grew this long beard, and one day at VBS, like we were, uh, he knows I'm telling this story, like at VBS we were over security, and and I said, hey, uh, you know, we have this joke that we, so I said, hey, can you like go and look for people that look suspicious, and with, you know, your long beard, like give them that crazy look, and then say, Say, hey, buddy, I'm thinking about kidnapping some kids. Would you like to help me? You know, like, so, so I, I go to Michael off and I say, hey, say, hey, I'd like to kidnap some kids. And like, and he looks at me and he goes, I am not saying that, you know, like, but, but here's the thing about Michael, like, he's not going to say it because he's not that, Michael's not a kidnapper, you know, and that's good. We do background checks and stuff here, but, but, but you know, Michael's not that. Michael's somebody that loves Jesus. You can tell that he reads the Bible. They, you know, that it, he takes it to heart because he's not somebody that's just reading it. He's somebody that loves other people and that wants to help. I mean, there's a sign out there outside that he put that says, man of the hills, and he's offering to help anybody that needs help with stuff. I mean, he, he's wanting to do things. He's not just sitting there and just taking in the word, but he's actually going out and he's loving people. How many of you have been like, uh, like, uh, comforted or hugged by Amanda Spaulding. Uh, can you raise your hand? Like, I mean, it's probably most of us, right? So one day, like Amanda, I, I got, I was at this trampoline park and I showed up for a birthday party and she was there too. And uh, I had a really hard day that day. And I, I remember it well, because it was just a bad day. So I'll walk in and she sees me and she says, are you okay? And I say, yes. You know, and and uh, I was almost on the verge of tears, so I say yes, and then and then I turn away, and I'm I, so she'll leave, you know. And like so, like if this is her, and that's about how tall she is, I say, <laughs> I say yes, you know, and then I turn away, and then and then when I turn around, she's like, she's right there, <laughs> she hasn't moved, and she goes, Chris, she goes, are you okay? <laughs> and I said, yes, I, I'm okay, and then she goes, 
I don't believe you. <laughs> and uh, she wasn't going to leave until she made sure I was okay. And why? Because she loves Jesus, right? Like, she reads his word. She takes it to heart. It's not just something that stays there, but it's an overpouring of, like, people, like, in their lives. She cares. Like, she really cares. And there are people, other people in this church, and they're, they're like that. You can tell because they're just, they're, they're loving people. Jesus says, how will you know that you're my disciples? By the way you love each other. The, by the way that you love others. And when we read the word, like it's not something that we just read. Like, and I can say like there are times where I can read the word and I'm ADHD and then I can think to my, in my head like, what did I just read, you know? And I, I, but like, are we actively like studying the word? Are we actively like, you know, looking into it, letting it penetrate our hearts, convict us? Like, is it challenging us to go out and to love other people and to do things? Because that's what this gospel's about. And, you know, I don't know what you come in here with. I know that God's word has something for you. And maybe you have baggage like I do. Maybe sometimes you just have a hard time convincing yourself that, you know, what the Bible says is absolutely true, that Jesus does want something to do with you, that he does love you, that there is a community here for you that cares about you. Maybe you want to take it a step further and, and you love like reading the Bible, but you want to go and do something and be active. You know, we are here for you today to pray with you. And uh, part of the word, like, like hearing the word and reading the word is responding like to the word. So that would mean like maybe today God has spoke to your heart. Maybe your heart is beating really fast and you know you need to pray. Like there are people here that want to do that with you. There are people that are standing in the back that are here to pray for you. Frank is gonna come up here because he wants to pray for you. There are people here that want to be involved in your life because we know that life is messy and we wanna be involved in your mess. So I'm going to pray. If you've never been baptized or, you know, if you want to like come and be a member of this church, you can do that today as well. Um, so I'm going to pray and then we're going to, we're going to do some worship. And, and as they, as we are singing, I just want you to know that invitation is open for you to respond to what you have heard today. Let's pray together. Father God, thank you for this day. And, uh, we thank you for the word that you give us. And I pray just for myself. And Father, just forgive me for the times that my Bible has sit on the shelf. Uh, we are thankful for it. We know everything that you had to do to go to make it possible that we can, we can read about you, Father. We can hear about you, Father, that, uh, that you came and you died for us, Father. And I just pray if there's anybody out there today that needs you, that needs prayer, that they won't be afraid to come forward and pray with somebody that cares about them and loves them. For it's in your name that we pray. Amen.